Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. More. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Broadcasting today live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Hospitality Tent at TPC Southwind for the 2023 FedEx St. Jude Championship on 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. As the introduction suggests, we're coming to you live from the Service Master Suite overlooking the 17th Green and here at TPC Southwind. It has been a day for your boy. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever the hell it is, at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller back in studio for us. He is keeping us on the air. Fingies crossed. Sitting across me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee, a top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's also, are you in charge of Golf Week coverage this week? I am uh, I'm representing Golf Week. Representing Golf representing Week. Representing Golf Week this mm. week. Um, yes, added to my many titles. Mm. Did I, you're going to have to explain to me here, Jeffrey. I was standing outside of this beautiful suite Service Master has here on the 17th green, and it's like, it's like 148, 149. Where is Jeffrey? Don't I forget see the, that I called you and told you this was an S show at like, yes, like, at like one o'clock. Yeah. But I was like, man, we're getting awfully close to showtime here. And then I see in the distance a, uh, a gator, I think it was, something so like that. It, it's more of like the, um, the agronomy, like the groundskeeper golf mm. cart, because it's well, a golf cart up front, but it just has a, a flatbed. Yeah, well, in the back, there are a bunch of flowers and stuff, and then in the front seat, I see Jeffrey, yes. and I go, man, we're coming in hot, and you didn't even say a word, just, just you were on a mission at that point to get <laughs> to get this show on air. Yeah, quick shout out to Ben Townsend, who was driving the, who was driving <laughs> the golf cart. So, Mark, this was the lesson that I learned today. Oftentimes, when we do remotes, like, contrary to popular opinion, I do actually care, like, what our show sounds like and, and trying to get the thing done. So I got here, I don't know, 12, 15, mm-hmm. hour 45. Mm-hmm. In the event that I'm going to set up, I can figure out that something's going wrong, that would be enough time to, fingers crossed, address it. And by the way, I was correct. So I start setting up everything. And by the way, watching me lug all of this equipment mm-hmm. is laugh out loud funny. Yeah. Like it, when it just there's a like 
at golf tournaments, you have to walk a lot. Like that is just the reality it, of being a spectator 100%. or a business. You know, if Correct. you're here covering it or whatever, you just you got to walk a lot. I mean, there are some. You know, Golf Channel gets their own golf cart and stuff like that. But like normal people don't get Correct. their own golf cart to go around the course. Correct. I don't even think like you know like even the the top line media people unless mm-hmm. you're like. Someone who is on air covering this? Unless you're spending money for for, for television rights. Correct. You do not, you, you know, I guess sometimes in like, you know, and that means like, you know, the Golf Channel people get it. Sky Sports yep. people get it. Whoever. DJ Tour Radio gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever the Asian court, you know, the Correct. Asian. Uh, yes. Whoever has the rights in Asia. Yes. In Asia gets it. But, you know, by and large, you are. Now you get, you know, I, I love covering golf tournaments, one, because. You can get as a, you can get really close to the action, whether you're a spectator or a media member, um, and really close to the athletes too, in, in ways that you know in most sports. You know, I guess in in basketball you can, but you've got to spend a boatload of money to do it, like to get that close to yeah, the athletes. And, and Whereas here, it's just if you get here early enough. Yeah, if you got a ticket, you can get within ten feet of Rory McIlroy. Yeah, like you can get you know whatnot. More on that in just a second. So. I'm lugging up all this equipment, and mm-hmm. did you ever do the thing, did y'all ever have to do the cinder block walk, like, across, like, a football field or whatnot? Like, you had I've done cinder- something equivalent okay. to it, not necessarily cinder blocks. Okay. That's what you were doing. That's what it looked like, <laughs> except I was hoofing it from the clubhouse to the 17th hole. And at first, you're like, it's only one hole. It's not that far. Oh, and, oh, God. 350 yards is not. And on top of that, like, and dodging through building, you know, the temporary buildings that are up and all that, and, temporary structures. And also dodging through the A-holes with golf carts. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you, you've, never seen, you've never seen a line between have and have not than if you're out at a golf tournament on a Tuesday when nobody's out here. There is no feeling of superiority quite like whoever has a golf cart and versus just looking down on those that do not have <laughs> said golf cart and i'm just lugging it and it's like you realize like yeah memphis is flat but when you're covering like when you're carrying i don't know 70 pounds of equipment just a little bit of an incline like (laughs) makes it just absolutely miserable well but we're here we're on the air yeah i I was gonna say to your credit we got on air we are live it's tell the truth tuesday like it is every tuesday on the giannato and jeffrey show we've got a lot to get to We'll get you up to date on the golf tournament. I, I got to say, John Rahm had his press conference today, Jeffrey. I, How was our boy looking? Couldn't. Well, so. All black today? As, as the, all black? Yes. Oh, yeah. But as the, mm. as the show that celebrates the fat athlete. Mm. And I, I would say this. I found it very endearing. John Rahm, someone was at, do, is doing a story on the snacks people carry in their bags oh, during yeah. rounds. Good stuff. And Rom, when they they go, they go not trail mix. Well, he was asked. He was asked, "Do you, do you carry snacks in your bag?" And his response was, "Do I look like someone who doesn't want to eat?" Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." He's on. He he embraces it. He's apparently, he has. Tell me if you think this is too much. All right. Kelly, his wife, mm-hmm. before every round makes him three sandwiches, and so he has a half a sandwich every three holes. That's how he does it during his Yeah, rounds. that's definitely on the high side. But even Tiger, who could not look physically more different than John Rahm, mm-hmm. Tiger was like a big eat-the-half-sandwich kind of guy. Um, that was the other thing. So we'll start with Tell the Truth. Tim Murray's joined us at 240. We didn't say that. 305, we'll get into the list. And we got another fat athlete. Oh, really? I, did you not see what I tweeted at you last night? Oh, yes. It we is. might have the most perfect human being we've ever seen. We've, we've got to discuss that yes. in a little bit. 
Uh, we'll see in the, the second half of the second hour. But let's start with Tell the Truth, and I think let's start with the golf tournament along the same lines of what you're thinking. As I was um, pacing around and waiting uh, for the rest of the equipment that we didn't have, uh, you realize, like, when you're... I was standing kind of behind the driving range. And on Tuesday, for those that don't know, like, Tuesday's when the whole circus is here. Like, mm-hmm. the, the tour trucks are here, so if you need your equipment fixed, whatnot, like, every single person, whether it be, like, an agent, uh, family looks like they're here early, uh, all the swing coaches, everyone is here. And as I was standing on the back of the driving range, I think I realized, like, this is, like, the richest traveling circus I've ever seen. <laughs> like, you just see, like, it was just, it was insane. It's like, you know, you got the players that are, you know, doing the work, and then it just feels like they're just surrounded. Yes. Like, for for all the... when For every golfer, there's, like, four five people. people. Yeah, yeah, it's like, insane. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... It's like, you don't need this many people. And I'm sitting there going, like, man, I really miss the boat on being a swing coach because I don't really know what they do. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Make a turn, let it go. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that has got to be the greatest gig. Like if you just get on board with someone that's awesome, like that's got to be the greatest gig in the world. Because then you just start, you know, charging two grand an hour to come work with me. All right. Do you yeah. have anything else golf wise? Well, I mean, I I found it. You know, it's interesting that you know tonight. It look. It sounds like it's gonna be like late afternoon, early evening. There is this meeting, right when everyone goes home. Yes, there's this meeting with Jay Monahan, the PGA commissioner. Commission on site. Have we seen? Got eyes on him. I haven't seen him on site yet. I do know. Air PGA tour hasn't been here. That the uh, you know that was another thing that he kind of the amount of access he has to the private jet. Mm. Mm. Well, he's meeting with the players. It is like either late this afternoon, this evening here at TPC South when it's the first time. He's going to have an in-person meeting with the players since, like, those initial days after the whole Saudi Arabia PGA Tour I think, it was, I think he went partnership to or whatever. I think he went to Canada, but the other thing about That was, Canada, like, a couple days later, though. It yeah. was a few days later, and you got to remember the thing about Canada at that point was that was not, like, a designated event. That was kind of, a, mm-hmm. you know, the, the middle part of the PGA, the middle to back half. And so now this is the top guys are here. Well, the people who talked today, Rom talked today. Um, because he's number one in the FedEx Cup point standings heading into this. He's also a big J guy. It, well, yes. That, big I, J defender. I found that interesting um, because he was asked directly, do you think Jay Monahan should keep his job? And Rom's answer was he should be allowed to see through this deal and let's see what it looks like at the end, and then we can make a judgment on him. Then, so that's like Ryan Silverfield. Yes, and then Brian Harmon was up there. Um, the the uh, first Open time champion. yeah first time he's spoken excuse me champion golfer of the year yes first time he's spoken since winning a major and he even more so defended Jay Monahan basically said like do you remember what he did during COVID you know like uh, Rom said this too like we we were one of the first sport you know he like kept a lot of people employed when other leagues sure. you know went into hiatus for a long much longer of a time during COVID and you know I think he's you know, capable of doing the job. Like, he very much supported him. But and, I w- and in fairness to Monaghan, that's probably a big reason why, like, they they tapped, into, they, they tapped in deeply into their reserves to fund everything during COVID because they weren't making any money. Yes. And um, he basically said he thinks he should keep his job. Like, he's happy with him as the – and so maybe they were, you know, maybe they were 
uh, strategically picked to do press conferences today, but it, they, they are also two of the four major winners this year. They are indeed, and they're also two very different types of, like, even though they're both major champions, like, Rom is elite superstar talent, and, you know, with Brian Harmon, he's the type of player that you, like, tip your cap to. He's never lost his tour card. Like, he's just, like, a gritty, grinded-out guy, but, like, you know, he's the guy that just had his career moment. I mean, doesn't mean he can't win more, but those are two very, on the pecking order, like, you know, Brian Harmon's not getting pit money. He's not high on the superstar ranking. Yes. No, he said he's just now getting used to the past few weeks, like people actually recognizing him in the airport mm-hmm. a little bit uh, since he won his major. No, and then, um, no, just in general, it's going to be a different type of week. It feels like this is my seventh year covering this tournament, and I can't remember rain being in the forecast for, like, play, if, if you will, for, for the tournament, and it feels like that's going to – rain is going to be an issue this week in terms of – like they might, like they're talking about their tee times might yeah. have to be adjusted, and um, it's going to be a much softer course. Yeah, than I would it imagine used to be than well, it usually is. I mean, it is. It never gets firm and fast here. Yeah, the tour's not going to let it get firm and fast. Um, but regardless, um, it should be an interesting week. And then there's, you know, tomorrow is going to be uh, interesting in terms of the reaction to this meeting. But it's more like it, it's interesting in that it's. The dynamic here that's funny to me is, like, I don't think many people in Memphis are all that invested in the meeting tomorrow with or tonight with Jay Monahan and the players. But as a national story, like, the golf world is very invested in it. Like, this is the literal, you know, it, it always is when the PGA Tour comes down, but more so than ever, the center of the golf universe this week. Whereas here in Memphis, it's just like, this is a great, great event for St. Jude. Can't wait to go watch some golf. Hopefully, you know. I think, and maybe I'm wrong here, correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, feels like, you know, you're always rooting for, like, a big star to win, like a Rom or a McElroy or someone who can, you know, who, you know, who feels like uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're worthy. Right. You don't want, like, some random champion. Yeah. And it's, it's not as fun. It's going to help. That's, the, my, that's my opinion, at least. No, I, I think that's, we have this weird validation in golf where, you know, if you finish second, you still beat 68 other players and like that's an incredible week, but we, we really do only care about winning, and so it's almost like it's a validation of the turn. Like we, as sports fans, we've made it like this. We've decided in our heads whoever wins the tournament somehow validates it. You know, I think a big part of why 2019 that WGC was so awesome was not only did Brooks win, and Brooks was clearly the best player on the planet. It was Brooks and Rory on Sunday. Now it was over by hole two, but that almost felt, you know what I mean? Like it's like oh, this feels like a. a big, big tournament. The other thing that I was thinking about last night is how I actually think getting into this topic and our next topic kind of works together. And we'll talk about college realignment as well. Does it not feel like golf and college football slash sports, but let's be real, mm-hmm. this is all football driven. It's all, being driven, it's all being driven by football. They're both in like this arms race to see like an arm can't. well it's, it's what's interesting is it's an arm race nobody actually seems to want to be a part of but they can't resist it yes exactly it's like well if some if they're gonna get it i've got to get you know what i mean like, yes it, i do think that like i don't think the i don't think the acc actually wants to consider stanford and cal as members but they feel like they have to because of what's happened i don't think the big 10 wanted to add oregon and washington right now but they felt like they had to given what happened yes like and th- and that's what it feels like here. It's like the 
you know, the PJ Tour is like changing everything. Yeah, all the ideals it was built upon, it feels like. Because like it feels it doesn't want to, but it feels like it has to. And that's kind of where that's kind of the the through line that I'm seeing is that golf at some point is now moving away from the their current structure. Which the PGA Tour, the nonprofit, it's gonna have to move away from that. It's gonna have to become mm-hmm. a for profit entity. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just think like college sports can probably, you know, prolong it and delay it as long as possible. And maybe college football is not the not as vulnerable as say professional golf was to have some type of startup come and disrupt everything. But that was kind of my second tell the truth. When you think about college football, it's like it really crystallized for me yesterday when we're thinking about Stanford and Cal perhaps joining the ACC. Like, what are we doing here? I know. Like, at a certain point, it's how like, what an insult to the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, come on. I guess it's the 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 you can call it the pack. The PACC? Like well, no, to, I've, heard, I've heard this. I've heard this. You can keep ACC. All Coast Conference. I kind of like pack with two Cs better. Although I guess <laughs> that putting the P on the front, I guess that's the other thing. I don't know if this is a tell the truth, but this is just my gut feeling. There's no way they're going to do this. Oh, no way. No way. No. I don't. I, I, it this, doesn't make a lot of sense for anyone. Feel, doesn't this feel like... The ACC is made up of schools that probably hold Stanford and Cal in very high regard yes. from a decision maker. The, there's Doesn't this feel like a professional courtesy? My like, gut tells me there are presidents going, we have to consider Correct. Stan- it's Stanford. Correct. You know, like, I think, I think so. Because to me, I guess, I guess I can go with a real strong tell the truth. I am not taking this seriously until it's clear to me that ESPN's the one saying, you got to go get Stanford and Cal. And I, that has not mm. been made clear to me yet. Well, and it's the, the most logical, my, the most logical thing, the way you can make this sound logical is if Stanford and Cal are really just placeholders because you know you're losing Clemson and Florida State. Maybe, maybe that's how you can make sense of it. It's like, okay, maybe we can offset what we lose there with the value of, hey, if we get Cal and in Stanford, maybe we can get the ACC network in the Bay Area, into California, maybe. Like, maybe you can think about it like that. But otherwise, like, I guess here would be makes the, here no would, sense. Here would, be the, here would be the scenario that I could maybe buy. It's not that you're, consi- that you're worried about losing Florida State and Clemson. It's that you're worried about losing Florida State, Clemson, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Virginia, uh, Miami, Maybe Vatech. Like it, it also remains to be seen. Like I'm not sure what the value of all of these. Like this idea that like all seven or eight of these schools that want to leave are going to find homes. Like I, I don't. That's not clear to me. It seems to me there's always more schools that think they'll have a home than they do. And so, what the scenario that would make sense is if you are concerned that you're going to have more than just two schools leave. Like maybe you lose like four to six. Maybe you actually go back to the idea of the pack, the Pac-12 ACC, but now it's not going to be the Pac-12. It's the you'll go pick up the rest of the West Coast, and like it's essentially a merger in which you know maybe you have some crossover in football, but really you're going to have the West Division play itself, and then you pick out you know some Mountain West schools, or you know maybe although it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem it still looks to me like uh, Oregon State Washington State are on the outside looking in well it seems like it seems like Stanford and if you're to believe 
and I don't know if I, I don't know if you should believe it, but for you to believe the internet scuttlebutt, and I, and I say like, I say I call it scuttlebutt because like, there are there are probably five reports out there, and one of them is probably correct. It's just hard to decipher which one is actually correct. Well, I think we also saw this last week. I think that there are. I think that I don't think like this is dishonest reporting. Like I don't think this is people making things up. No, I but think I it's think what not you're necessarily seeing, the, part of your job as a reporter. And this is what gets lost in this modern era, where everyone just has like a random Twitter, like random Twitter account. Your job as a reporter is not to report everything people tell you. Every text message doesn't have to become a tweet. Part of your job as a reporter is to sift through all these things you get and figure out. Based on your reporting, based on your instincts, based on all that, what is actually the truth? What is something that is reportable? Right, because like I hear I, all sorts of things. I don't necessarily. Rep- I don't sure. come and say it on the radio. I guess like to put an example is, I think that I think Friday became a dumpster fire because I think there were legitimate sources that did feel good. The problem was nobody used their brain. Yeah, and nobody just took a step back and said, "Wait a minute." Yeah. All of a sudden, wait a minute. Of course, this guy is saying it's correct. good. Like you know, and like ultimately, like there is no way. Like there is no way that between the hours of seven a.m. and ten a.m., Oregon and Washington suddenly changed their mind and correct. went to the Big Ten. It's just not, no. They leaked some stuff so that maybe they could get a better offer from the Big Ten, and then they took. Then they went to the Big Ten. Right, because probably the first offer, because they didn't have a ton of leverage, that first offer was probably not good. So you need the Big Ten to at least. Think, mm. all right. Well, there's a chance this might. Let's not just work get out. this done. Yeah. Let's throw a few shackles their way. Let's just get this done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the thought is is that if you if you're to believe some of the scuttlebutt is that Stanford and or Stanford and Cal don't want to join the Mountain West. Like they that's not. I don't they, even. They, I think I don't even think that's scuttlebutt. I think that's true. Okay. They don't want to join the Mountain West because they don't feel like they're like-minded institutions. I can tell you this. Stanford does not. And it's not enough money. Let's just be real. That's really what it is. If it was enough money, they would, they would be able to get over the fact that, like, these aren't the most prestigious yeah, uh, academic yeah. institutions yeah, in the world. Yeah, no. Uh, if the SEC came calling, they wouldn't care that. But I will say this. I think that it's so. They are so snobby that even if, like, the money were equivalent somewhere, like, let's say that uh, Apple went to Stanford and Cal and said, we're going to do y'all a solid, and uh, Oregon, or, or Oregon State and Washington State, y'all go join the Mountain West. We'll give you the same deal. I think they would have a tough time doing that. I think, I, I think that they would sit there and go, we're going to look for other avenues. Now, mm. the question is, would they be able to find other avenues? I don't know, because this idea that, Stanford can probably go independent for a little bit, but this idea that Cal can is absolutely insane. Well, and I also think, I think people, like, the other part of this that's going to be really interesting, especially with the forgotten four, if you will, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Mm -hmm. Washington State, like, I don't know about the final four. (laughs) Final four, yeah. Um, The fatal four. Mm. Um, I am curious how competitive they are going to be moving forward on a limited budget in the sense that like school, like the one thing you can say about Memphis, they're used to making a lot out of a little like Stanford and Oregon. And I'm not saying they had the most flush athletic departments in the country, but it was significantly more flush than the, like the, the counter, their counterparts are going to be moving forward. It seems unless they somehow 
complete this Hail Mary and get into the ACC. So the other thing that's interesting to me, though, is did, did Fox slash the Big Ten actually do Stanford a favor? Because I'm of the opinion, Mark, that this downward trend that we've been seeing from Stanford, mm. that wasn't just a rough patch. Well, in football, you're talking. Correct. And in basketball, I guess, to a certain extent. Yeah, because in the end, like, if you look at, okay, if you're not, if you're not the upper echelon, if you're not the, you know, if you're not one of these schools that recruits nothing but five stars, what's the way that you get competitive? It's the transfer portal. It's, you know, taking, taking some risky chances. Stanford and Cal are just never going to play that game. And Stanford more so than Cal – but they're just not going to play that game. And I think Northwestern's in the same, the same boat in the sense of, like, perhaps, like, this expedites where they're going. Because to me, like, they were never going to really be competitive in this. Unless, unless this world starts to have some massive amounts of structure, like, they're just not going to be competitive in it. And then if we're to expand this tell the truth to Memphis, here's my tell the truth. I think I see... There's three avenues here that this could go for Memphis, right. it feels like to me. One is you could stay in the AAC, right? Yes. Like just status quo, yep. stay in the AAC, mind, obviously. Like I'd, say, not, I'd say stay in the ACC and hit the gym. AAC. I'm sorry, stay in the AAC and hit the gym. Hit the gym. There's also the avenue of maybe you get an invite to the Bizarro Pac-12, if you will, whatever that looks like in terms of – Stanford, Cal, Washington State, Oregon State, some maybe some maybe they merge maybe the they join with the Mountain West and then the Mountain West adds a couple other teams. I still teams. think so you're going to have the same problem in that the exit fee stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um then the other option is you join up with the remnants of the ACC if the ACC ultimately eats itself from within with Florida State and Clemson and these football schools leaving to go elsewhere. That seems to me to be the three outcomes here for Memphis. Does that seem right to you? Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I guess. Either they're in the Bizarro Pac-12, they're in the Bizarro ACC, or they're still in the AAC. And my gut tells me, well, one. I guess you could make the argument, this is a fourth path, although I don't think it's as likely because of egos and whatnot. But have the ACC base, or the AAC, beg your pardon, start to actually do what they should have done all along, which is like create like a super G5. Yeah. Through mergers and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's actually the least likely of the three that we've laid out. Yes. Um, the only way it feels or, like yes, that yeah. actually happens is if they, it, it only happens once those, if those, those schools break away, the SEC, the big 10, if they break away and create their own thing and it's like a separate you know, there's I like think essentially two different divisions. New, there's two divisions of Division One football or Division. What what we now know as FBS, it breaks into two. Yeah, the, I, I the, think that's likely. I mean, the reality is, if if all the schools that weren't in the SEC in the Big Ten, and I guess now you have to say you have to throw the Big Twelve in there, if all those schools banded together, and if all those schools like came together and tried to negotiate a TV deal. That would be the best TV deal they could get. The problem is no one's going to do that. Yeah. And then I, my, my instinct is, we said this yesterday, I would not, I don't know if I'd want to put my lot in with the, with the Western schools. One, 
they're they're unstable. It feels like if you let's say you joined with, you'd be in a league that like, or you know none. You'd just be in another league nobody wants to be in still. And you add in, you're going to have to travel across the country for all your sports. I don't think it's going to be that much more money than what you're getting in the AAC. And whatever more it is, it's probably offset by the fact that you're going to have to spend all this money traveling to different places that you don't normally, you haven't had to. And, um, you know, I'd just rather put my eggs in the ACC basket, even if that doesn't work out. It's, and it's why my gut is telling me, ultimately, Memphis is just going to be in some version of the AAC, and you just got to maybe hope maybe maybe the AAC can add some schools, so to speak. Yeah, but it's also where, like, the more and more you talk it out, like, when everyone is, is making a legitimate case about all of the other sports, like, because think about this. Football's only 12 games, and what, five of them are road games? And probably yeah. four are conference road games? So we're talking about, and most of the time they're played on the weekends. But when you're just going to, like, send your volleyball team, like, I think you're going to have to do it like it's a West Coast road trip where you just send them away from campus for three weeks, four weeks. Like, Mark, that's just not, that's not tenable. And it's where, like, it's kind of how, like, I'm bookending everything. Like, in the end, the obvious answer is probably going to wind up being the right answer. I think football is going to play on its own. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to start to see more regional conferences or what. Like, I don't Maybe you play in the SEC in football, you know, or let's say, you know, uh, Washington and Oregon play in the Big Ten in football and the rest of their sports play in some version of, like, you know, the new Western Athletic Conference or whatnot. But it's just not it's not possible for all these schools to do this. Probably not. Well, the, the thing it feels like, another truth here, it feels like to me the only thing holding this together right now is this new playoff. Like oh, yeah, the, and that's got about 24 uh, months. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, like, it feels like. And I can, don't even know if that's really, because it. Like, well, if you're a Memphis fan, you can talk yourself into right now. Okay, we got left out, and honestly, much like 2016, it feels like you may have thought you were in the conversation, but the reality was you were not in the conversation. Yeah. Um, and given the schools that got added to the big 12, for instance, um, and the fact that like, again, it, it's so it's now a world where you didn't get passed over. It's that schools like Stanford, Cal, Washington state and Oregon state got left behind. Correct. You know? Because and, that's what we're also seeing now. It's not like, I think you were probably right last week or maybe it was the week before when you made the comment, like nobody's moving up anymore. No. And I think that's what we're realizing in to me like that's where that's where this really gets fascinating is like okay, what happens after this TV deal? Mm-hmm. Like no, the, the people have people have you wondered what, what does it mean for what what happens if ESPN the next time the SEC deals up goes, you know, Vanderbilt really doesn't bring any value to us in this deal. Uh, we'd rather just have Vanderbilt not in it anymore. Like what what does the SEC do then? I mean, I think they're going to sit there and fight and say that they're a charter member. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't know what we've seen this entire time is basically when the when ESPN or Fox snap their fingers, everybody just does whatever they're told. Yeah. Um, but it does feel like, like right now, if you're a Memphis fan. Or how about this scenario? Because this is one that no one throws out. Because everyone does point out to the, you know, you think you're fine until you're not. Like, Stanford doesn't, like, 
you can say that it was delusion or whatnot, but the reality is, like, they did not expect to be in this position. Mm-hmm. What happens next time when I think ESPN's up to, I think they're down to, like, 73 million subscribers? Mm-hmm. What happens when they're, like, at 50 million subscribers and all of a sudden they're like, hey, we've been paying you 65 million a school. Here's 35 million or 40 million. Here's what we can pay you. It's 35 million. And, you know, Fox says the same to the Big Ten schools. And then everybody's just, like, completely upended their entire, like, roots for something that, you know, was never sustainable to begin with. Like, that's kind of the other thing is it feels to me like, we're in this situation where not only is this just a giant cash grab, it almost feels like we're at a giant cash grab that it might be like the last big payday. Because while everyone always points out, well, there's always going to be sports fans. And while that's true, if the, if the linear television model is not sustainable, this is going to tech. And tech does not just sit there and throw cash around like linear TV does. They're way more judicious. It's a lot like the Apple deal. Like maybe you get, you know, you get the 25 million up front and schools like the SEC and the Big Ten are probably going, okay, we'll be fine. Like we'll sell the rest of the rights. But like what if that's only like $50 million and all of a sudden like you've just upended everything trying to go get this giant payday thinking it was only keep going up, keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. And then what if you like are left in this situation where maybe – you know, it's essentially what the Big 12 did. The Big 12 decided $31.7 million per school. That's probably the market value. Mm-hmm. And that was down. Mm-hmm. What happens in the next time, like, when everyone's like, well, yeah, you were, you were worth in 2021, these schools were worth 60 to $65 million, But what happens if all these schools are now all of a sudden worth 45 to 50 Like, and everyone's just completely, like, lost their minds. Like, what, do we go back? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. It's all a cluster, and uh, I don't know. It, the thing that just it just feels so painful in this sense. It's like the way to combat. If you're like like let's say if you're a Memphis fan, all right. The way to combat all this is like you know what? I'm just gonna focus in on my team, my school. You know what? I'm gonna take joy in winning an AAC title. Yeah. Like, Bunk, like, bunker, that's how tribalism develops. Yes. Like, I'm going to take... It's kind of how the country has ended up doing Well, this. but but just, just, you know, like, for instance, like, being at the AAC championship game last, what, what was it, a few months ago in March when Memphis beat Houston. Yeah. And, like, the joy that those players and coaches had in that moment. Like, you, you really, you, you, you embrace that. Yeah, a sense of accomplishment, everything. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, like, literally... What they are doing with all of these moves is trying to push you away from try- from embracing your team. It is like uh, this this amazing contradiction playing out in front of our eyes. And you know, for Memphis, if you're a Memphis fan right now, you can go, okay, in football, you know what? Like, if we're the if we can go 11 and one, we're gonna have in the next two years the way the playoff is set up right now, moving starting next year. If we go 11 and one and win the AAC, we got a pretty good shot at making the playoff. Right, but like that's kind of the other issue. But is like, the problem is, is that 
you know, you'd be not. And then if you think of it from a basketball perspective, well, you know, like none of this seems to be bothering Penny Hardaway at this point. He can put together a really good team and he can do what John Calipari did 15 years ago and add a conference USA. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the problem is with that because I agree last. It, that's short term. Yes. And I think that that's a completely reasonable thing. The the bigger well, the issue, problem is you'd be naive to think that. The, the Big Ten and SEC are going to pass up a chance to adjust the playoff. Excuse me, Big Ten and yeah, Big Ten and SEC yeah. are going to pass up a chance to change the playoff now that the the Pac-12 is gone. It is at and the it, very least likely a diminished ACC as well at that point. Yeah, it is very it is very clear it's going to go from five champions to five champions and seven at large instead of six and six. That's the bare minimum. But it feels to me there's a very real possibility it could just be the best twelve teams. In which case, you'd have essentially a bunch of Big Ten SEC schools with maybe a Big 12 or ACC school And you mixed could in. tell me maybe it's like four and eight because yeah. they're worried about antitrust, but that's kind of the other. You want to get really depressing? Mm-hmm. Do you know what might be the only answer at this point? What's that? Uh, government intervention. Mm. And I'm not saying legislation because I, I, I still contend, like, if you think that Congress is going to get involved in all this, like, no chance. But a Supreme Court ruling started this, Mark, in 1984 when Georgia and Oklahoma sued all the television networks about how they distributed money. And that allowed for conferences to essentially start selling their rights. And that's like, I mean, it's entirely possible if all of these schools finally band together, these schools that are getting left out and saying this is this is antitrust behavior. I would imagine there's plenty of good lawyers out there that say they got a case. And, Jeffrey, I'm curious. Mm. What started this exactly. whole TV an money anti- thing? It bookended it. Started <laughs> with an antitrust lawsuit that goes yeah, to the Supreme Court and then bookend it with it. So you're telling me, you're telling me this is only going to end with the Supreme The only way this ends well for fans potentially is, the, is if the Supreme Court gets involved? Here are the scenarios where I think uh, sanity could resume. Mm-hmm. Linear television dies mm-hmm. because I think I also think a lot of times these conference presidents, I think they kind of get blamed. And here would be my argument. I think that they are the people at the end of the day that like have to on paper sign everything. I don't think those are even at the school level. Those are the people like school presidents have to keep their money. People happy. Like I think this is in the sh- it's television networks. And in the shadow, rich people. Because we didn't talk about this yesterday. One of the most absurd things that I have seen in the last 20 years in a sport of nothing but absurdity, the guy leading the Oregon vote to go to the Big Ten, or yeah, to go to the Big Ten, did you see where he was? He was on the golf course. FaceTiming. And the best part? Didn't want to stop the round. Didn't even stop his round. No. Nope. Didn't even, like, pull over to, like, all right, he's like, watch me hit this drive. It was literally it was literally the George Bush, now watch me hit this drive. And so, yeah. to me, like, the scenarios are the linear TV model dies, and so you can't keep chasing that. Uh, Supreme Court, whatever, uh, court rulings, antitrust court mm-hmm. rulings, and that's about it. <laughs> Because like I'm with you on the whole sense of like, well, if we wouldn't watch, this wouldn't happen. Well, that's not an option. No, no, be, we're gonna, that's the problem. We're going to keep Correct. watching. Like, like this concept that like fans, yes, fans are upset, 
I don't think they're so upset that they're going to stop well, watching. It's also football, unlike other sports, supply is an issue. We get like, you know, in the NFL, we get, thanks be to Raj, we now get 18 weeks of regular season action with a super wild card weekend, divisional weekend. But, I mean, we're talking about a very limited amount that, of games. The diehard Memphis fans will still be watching. Even, like, like the, the diehard Memphis fans I know, like, com- conference affiliation doesn't ultimately, that's not why they're fans of Memphis. Right, but that's also because the problem, though, with using Memphis as the example is Memphis has never had, like, a historic home. Yeah. Like, me- if anything, they're bounced used- around. They're, they're, they're thriving. Just like Penny Hardaway, Penny Hardaway recruiting, like, they're thriving in this environment. Yeah. Maybe they're not thriving, but, like, Penny's thriving, but, like, they're comfortable in the yeah. environment. Hey, Stanford, yeah. Washington State, like Oregon it? State, come on in. Yeah. We, got, we got AAC koozies hey, for you. You don't want to be here? <laughs> we don't want to be here. Let's well, throw. You know, did you ever have an F the deposit party in college? No. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. You destroy the house. Yeah. I've never had that. We yeah. never called it yeah. that. But just throw that. Throw one of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I. Uh, it's not great, but like I said, I'll probably still be watching. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. Let's get Tim Murray's thoughts on this. Tim Murray from Vsin will join us. Hideki just chunked a chip on seventeen. Uh, I mean, he just stubbed it. Round. No one stubbed saw it. it right in the ground. No, no one saw it. No one saw it. Second try. There it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are live from TPC Southwind uh, at the cor- uh, Service Master by Cornerstone Suite. Uh, we'll be back with Tim Murray. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. ESPN. Now, back to the Giannato and Jeffrey Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Hospitality Tent at TPC Southwind for the 2023 FedEx St. Jude Championship on 92.9 FM ESPN. Tim Murray is the host of VSIN Live, or should say VSIN Primetime, airing on VSIN Live. He's on Twitter at 1TimMurray, the college football betting podcast is available wherever you can get your podcast. Kind enough to join us now. Tim, we are out here at TPC Southwind as the uh, PGA Tour gets to be, or gets ready to begin the uh, playoffs. But I think let's start with college football. What was the Pac-12 thinking? <laughs> uh, George Koyakov may uh, still be thinking that. Uh, he thought he had, uh, had this great plan. I mean, hell, they were out in Vegas, guys, at media days touting this uh this this wonderful media rights deal and uh and it led to everybody leaving so um 
I mean, it started with Larry Scott. It is uh, carried over to their current commissioner. And, uh, you know, it's sad to say. I mean, it's sad to see. You know, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen conferences tweak and, and change, guys. But, I mean, the Pac-12 is I mean, it's gone, right? I mean, I, I don't know how that how it exists any more moving forward. And, you know, it's a conference that certainly has had some history. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a disaster. And uh, it's unfortunate because this year's conference is actually uh, is pretty loaded when it comes to college football. Well, I mean, that, to me, like, that's kind of the other interesting aspect of it. It's like this season could be a fascinating watch in terms of, you know, the Pac-12's always – like the, the top and bottom of the Pac-12 typically are, you know, usually like 3 through 12 are usually not that far apart. And so it, it lends to entertaining games. But I think, like, that's kind of the big question. Like, do you think this was avoidable? Or is this now at the point where it's so apparent what TV networks are doing that, you know, this was bound to happen one way or another? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it was avoidable in, it sounds like Arizona State and Utah and some of these schools really didn't want to leave, um, but the option just, you, you couldn't stay if your only option is, you know, streaming and, you know, picking up more money based off the subscription. So uh, I think that's kind of ultimately what uh, has led to some of these schools begrudgingly going. I mean, Colorado when we talked last week, Colorado, I think, had, had jumped the coup. But I think for the most part, guys, the conference was ready to kind of stay uh, with, a, with nine and maybe add like a San Diego State or Boise State or something like that or a UNLV. Um, but, you know, it was just a, such a horrific deal. Uh, I mean, they were trying to get these guys to sign grant of rights deals. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. Are you crazy? Look at what the ACC is fighting with right now. So, uh, I think it was avoidable. I don't know if it was. I don't know if USC and UCLA would have ever stayed just because of the money that was thrown their way from the from the Big Ten deal, guys. But I, I think for the most part, it was avoidable, and uh, they just they just couldn't get it done. I mean, you know, Oregon and Washington. I think, from my understanding, I was listening to, you know, Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel. I think they were ready to stay, and then the deal. I think. Broke. I think. I don't know about Bruce. Stuart got. Stewart got burned this entire time. Like, he was really bad on this, and he lives in Sunnyvale, and he was clearly sipping the Kool-Aid. Like, Dan Patrick even said it. Like, on Thursday night, it, this was done. Like, I, I just think they got played. This was Oregon and Washington just trying to hold out to get a slightly better deal for the Big Ten because they knew that's where they were headed. Yeah, I mean, they, they wanted to go there. And the thing is, the Big Ten didn't want them, and they still don't necessarily want them. I mean, the they fact gave that they took was it? It's like thirty. It's thirty million, and it escalates one million per year for five years. That to me said all I needed to know, which was they were out. They could they could spin it. They could do however they wanted. They were those two schools were out no matter what. Uh, I, I just I wonder if if they had come back with a better deal, if they would have considered it. But no, I yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean. They probably they wanted out. The Big Ten just didn't really want them, and ultimately the Big Ten said, "Yeah, we'll give you you know far less money. You guys still want to come? All right, we'll make it work." So yeah, yeah, I guess to your point, that's the way it all played out. But I think I do think it was avoidable. If the Pac-12 had any sort of decent deal, instead of puffing out their chest and saying, "Oh, our deal is going to be so great," uh, you know, it's just it's 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 an absolute disaster of leadership for that conference for the last 
what, decade? With started yes. with Larry Scott and now the Klyovkov. I mean, it's been an absolute, you know, Basically from the moment they couldn't pull off getting Texas into the Pac-10. Yeah, it, it, 12 years I mean, ago. There's an article out there, guys. I mean, they were on the doorstep of grabbing Texas and Oklahoma. Like, and they, they got cold. They got they cold feet, not because of the Longhorn Network. They got cold feet because they didn't want to take Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. And, and it's like to me, like that's and, and that's where you've got a solidified up. stability. Like, yeah, you have to take those schools, but like that's what we're seeing. Like, the Big Ten, you know, if they wanted to take an Oregon and Washington last go round, they could have done it. Now they're taking them. Like, like you got to grit your teeth sometimes if you're going to survive. And they could have, I mean, they could have gobbled up the Big 12. They didn't want to, right? And, um, you know, they could have taken pieces from there, and now and now the conference ceases to exist, and, you know, um, we'll see what the other four, uh, you know, members do. I mean, it's, you know, it's wild to think. I mean, you know, a, a place like Stanford, which is such a elite academic institution and wins and has, you know, tons of Olympians and all of this, they have no value, right? They don't. They don't draw for television for football. Uh, they have, you know, no fans in their stands. I mean, it's it's wild to think a a program that, you know, when when Harbaugh was there, heck, even when Shaw was there in the early years. I mean, this is a regular top ten program, and now, you know, maybe they go to the ACC, which would be just wild to think if you know Stanford and Cal are in the ACC next year. What does this mean for West Coast football? I mean, I think you can argue it's better. I mean, because now, right, the, the Pac-12 is all upset that, you know, USC and UCLA and these programs were never, you know, in the eyes of, uh, of big-time uh, networks. And now, you know, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington have, you know, they probably won't be on a ton of, well, you have big noon kickoff. You've got the 3.30 window on CBS. You've got the 7.30 window on NBC. I would think it's a better thing for uh, those West Coast West Coast schools. I mean, I can't speak to you know probably Oregon State and Washington State are going to be playing some you know FS1 11 p.m. you know Eastern games against Boise State. But I, I think for for the biggest brands on the West Coast, it's probably a good thing because you're getting terrestrial eyes as opposed to I mean, look, the start of the season this year, week zero, we have seven football games, guys. One of them includes the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and a top-five team in USC, and it will be on the Pac-12 network, and no one will be able to watch it. So I would say this is far better than the current situation that they're in. You're telling me next year if USC opens up the year against someone like San Jose State, they'll be in the middle of the day on CBS or, you know, at nighttime on NBC. So I think it's probably better for for at least those four West Coast schools by, by a large stretch. Well, and along those lines, Tim, something I've kind of pushed back on is this it feels like since Friday we've gotten a lot of do, you know doomsday is here. This is like the this is the reckoning for college sports is here and it'll never be the same. It's it's so unlikable and I'm and I just keep going. People are still going to watch the games. If anything, mm-hmm. I'd predict that when we get to 2024, when all these schools switch, the ratings will be better than ever because we're going to get these you know supersized matchups from these leagues um, and. I, I don't know. Do you think peop, this is going to actually turn people off no. from college sports, or do you think this is a no. lot of bluster, uh, you know, because c- in the immediate reaction, if you, an immediate reaction to what's happened? 
It's it's very easy in early August for all of us to say, oh, this is terrible for college football. Look, I don't like it. I'd prefer it to go back to what it once was. I understand why it's going that way, and I understand that Fox and ESPN are basically in this arms race to uh, to acquire the biggest and ba- biggest brands in the in the enti- entire country. But look, in two years, when Oregon is playing at Ohio State on a three thirty at, at you know three thirty on CBS, and you hear that jingle of da 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 da, da you're gonna watch it. I mean, it, it, even when it's per, even ne- even when next year when it's Purdue versus Indiana or Purdue versus <laughs> Michigan State or something. But I don't think Purdue. But I don't think Purdue Indiana is ever gonna be that CBS three thirty game. I mean, if anything, yeah. that, that's just, that's BTN baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is BTN. Yeah. That might be BTN. Yeah. The real, the real. It's a prime time BTN. The, 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 the real it's a rivalry. Tim and I both know what channel uh, Big Ten alternate is. Yeah. When you oh, have yeah. to, when you oh, have yeah. to find uh, Nebraska playing. When Nebraska Rutgers. That no, Nebraska no, no, no. Rutgers game. When you when you hear Georgia Southern is driving on Nebraska for a win, and you're having a <laughs> you're having a six one zero dash one when you're throwing in dashes on your direct TV, like that's that's a special form of degenerate. Like. That's the classic, you're the problem. Because that's a, I have a column coming out of commercialpill.com tomorrow, right? I kind of just say, if you really don't like this, if you're uncomfortable with it, the way to, like, make it end, because ultimately TV is dictating all this, don't watch. Like, if the ratings go down, they will, the, the TV people will, will answer that, ultimately. But, like, the problem is, it's like, as much as I find it unsavory, you know what, if Georgia, Texas is on TV, I'm going to watch it. Like, it's just, that's just the reality. I'm going to watch it. Well, and, and yeah, I think that's the ultimate thing, right? Now, now, like we all, you know, had our jokes, and it's going to happen. Maryland is playing a primetime game on network television against Charlotte this year. Guess what? In 2024, with now 18 teams in that conference, the likelihood of NBC, CBS, or Fox getting any sort of dud game in those windows is less because now they've got four really good brands and really good football programs. I mean, look at the teams that join. Now, I know Michael Penix will exhaust his eligibility. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams will move on to the number one pick overall. But USC top five, UCLA not top 25, but I know a lot of people that I respect believe that US, UCLA could be in for a pretty darn good year. Oregon is top 15, and Washington is top 15. Those are the four teams they're getting into that conference next year. So it just – it just makes them better, and while Rutgers will continue to make the same money, which is just hilarious, uh, they will be more relegated towards the BTNs of the world, and you'll see more of the, the big boys uh, on television. And look, at the end of the day, uh, I'll call it right now, December of 2024, records will absolutely be shattered uh, for college football viewing when we have that four-team playoff, when we've got Big name brands going on the road in December for you know the expanded college football playoffs. So while it doesn't feel, it kind of feels icky, and I don't like it. And I would prefer the Pac-12 to still be the Pac-12, and you know the Big Ten to go back to just being a Midwestern conference, and you know the the Oklahomas and Texases to stay in the Big 12. Like you guys said, I mean, I'm still going to watch. I don't like it. I don't. I don't love where the game is ultimately heading. You know, for the Olympic sports, like. A women's soccer game is going to be, you know, Oregon versus, uh, you know, um, you know, Rutgers on a Wednesday. Like that stinks for those athletes because they're not flying commercial. But at the end of the day, we sit down on a Saturday, and I'm going to turn on my television and say, "Ooh, what's on? What's on NBC tonight? Oh, it's 
Michigan against UCLA. Okie dokie. I'm going to watch this. What do you think the likelihood is that the playoff stays with a similar structure as it's going to be starting next year in terms of maybe it's not six and six, maybe it's now five conference champions and seven at large, but what do you think the likelihood mm-hmm. is that it keeps that sort of structure? And I asked that with like a school like Memphis in mind, like, will will do you think long-term Memphis and schools like that will have some sort of access to college football's postseason, Or do you think the big 10 sec, et cetera, will use this, dismantling of the Pac-12 to kind of restructure what they just restructured, if you will? I hope that they keep it the way that it is, but I am very, very skeptical that it will because the Big Ten and the SEC hold all the power. And come a couple years, they're going to say, this is insane. You know, we've got four or five, six of the best teams in the country. I mean, look at, you know, coach's poll is a joke, but, you know, look at the eight people when it comes out next week. I think there's six Big Ten teams in the top 15. So those conferences, I mean, hell, Al, uh, Nick Saban was out there last year telling everybody in the world, you know, Vegas has us rated number one or number two. We should be in the playoffs. I mean, if we get to the day where, you know, three-loss LSU is, you know, you know, number five in the country or whatever, I just – I hope – there's still a seat at the table for the G5. And, you know, on the surface, it kind of looks like all this crazy. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 